You're listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis of Calvary Chapel San Clemente on today's edition. As we worship the Lord, two things happen simultaneously. First, we acknowledge the presence of God, that God is here with us, that God is moving in our midst, that God is working, God is present here. You know, the fact that we've gathered together as God's people to worship the Lord is evidence that the Spirit is working. Because it's the Holy Spirit that draws you to Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that draws you to worship. The tabernacle represented the very presence of God with His people on earth. He instructed His people to create this place where He could dwell because He longed to be among His people. It was a place where God's people could worship Him. Today, Pastor Holland explains that through Jesus, you too can come to God and worship Him. He still desires to be with you. He wants you to know Him, and He reveals Himself to those who believe. The Holy Spirit draws you to God to worship. Don't miss it. Let's join Pastor Holland in the book of Exodus chapter 25 as he continues his message, On Earth as it is in Heaven. The first thing I want to point out is what the tabernacle represents. What the tabernacle represents. In Exodus 25, verses 8 and 9, it says this, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. In Exodus 29, it says, And there I will meet the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priest. I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And so in Exodus 25, God says, make me a sanctuary. Uh, in Hebrew, it's mikdas. Make me a mikdas that I may dwell among them. And then in Exodus 29, God says, I will dwell among the children of Israel and be their God. And so what the tabernacle represents, what the tabernacle represents in the life of the nation of Israel is the presence of God with his people. And it's this place of worship, it's this place of glorifying God where God has chosen to make himself known. It's the place where God reveals himself, where God speaks, where revelation is given, where God abides. And so the principle to this is that worship is where we encounter the presence of God. Worship is where God makes himself known to us, where God speaks to us. In Psalm 22, verse 3, it says, But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. That word enthroned means to dwell. And it has a sense of ascending the throne. So God says, I'm going to dwell with you. And in worship, he dwells with us. But he also elevates us. There's an elevation that takes place in worship. Because it's as we draw near to God, we're, we're going up. We're being elevated. But here's the reality of it. Everywhere you are in Israel, it's an upward journey to the temple. You're going up to worship the Lord. Every time you worship the Lord, it's an elevation. And that's why in the, in the Psalms, they have the Psalms of Ascent. It mentions the Psalms of Ascent because you're going up to worship the Lord. Let's all go up to Zion, the city of our God. 
And so worship in the Lord elevates you. God reveals himself to you. And every time God reveals himself to you, it elevates you. It raises you up. It raises you up. And so as we worship the Lord, two things happen simultaneously. First, we acknowledge the presence of God, that God is here with us, that God is moving in our midst, that God is working, God is present here. You know, the fact that we've gathered together as God's people to worship the Lord is evidence that the Spirit is working because it's the Holy Spirit that draws you to Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that draws you to worship. And so the fact that all of you are here, it's because you're, already, you're being led by the Spirit. You probably didn't think that, probably didn't realize that, probably didn't understand that you, in your mind, it's like, oh, I'm just going to go to church. No, you're responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working in your life, and He's drawing you to worship Him. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The ones that aren't here, They weren't called by the Holy Spirit to worship with us. And it's very simple. You know, we want the ones that God is drawing to himself. The Bible says that the Spirit and the bride say, come. The Spirit and the bride is the one sending out the invitation for us to come. It's the Spirit that invites me to show up. I don't invite the Spirit to show up. One of the prayers that I absolutely hate is come Holy Spirit. Because what that prayer does is it makes the assumption that God is not present with his people. It makes the assumption that God did not draw his people together, that the Spirit isn't working. And that somehow God is distant and far away. And that he's abandoned his people. And then we got to pray, come Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden, boom, he's there. He showed up. Maybe you've heard people say that. God really showed up tonight. It's like, no. God was waiting for you to show up. And because you showed up, he blessed you. Because you showed up, he healed you. He restored you. He saved you. He gave you courage. He encouraged you. He gave you comfort. He showed you kindness and compassion. That's what happens. He invites us, and we're the ones that show up. He's invited me here. He's invited you here. And he invites you because he wants to meet with you and he wants to reveal himself to you. That's what God desires. See, again, God is a God of revelation. He wants you to know him. He wants to reveal himself to you. And so don't miss it. When you come to church, don't miss it. Come ready for it. You know, come with pad and pencil. Come come ready to write down what God has for you. Maybe if God doesn't speak to you in the worship, he'll speak to you during the word. If he doesn't speak to you during the word, maybe he'll speak to you in a conversation that you have afterwards. Or maybe he'll speak to you as you're praying for someone else and you're ministering to someone else. But God is always speaking. Don't miss it. Don't let a Sunday morning or a, or a midweek study or any any kind of a study go by without getting what God drew you there for, because he drew you to reveal himself to you. The second thing that we acknowledge when we worship is God's faithfulness to his word, that God is faithful to do what he said he would do. 
Remember the covenant that God made with Abraham in Genesis 17. He says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you were a stranger. All the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession and I will be their God. I will be your God. That's what God made the covenant. I'm going to be your God. And this covenant that God made with Abraham was entered into by the nation of Israel when Israel accepted the book of the covenant at Mount Sinai. That's when they entered into this covenant. Now, the order of events is important because, again, God is revealing himself to us. And so it's important that we pay attention to the order of how things occurred in Scripture. And so God delivers Israel out of Egyptian bondage. He delivers them so that they can worship and serve the Lord in the wilderness. And God brings them through the wilderness with the cloud by day, the fire by night. He gives them water. He gives them bread from heaven, takes care of them in the wilderness, and brings them to Mount Sinai, where he descends on the mountain of God with lightnings, thunderings, earthquakes, just like the tabernacle in heaven. He gives the Ten Commandments, the law, representing God's rule and reign, God's kingdom being established in Israel. And then Israel accepts God. They accept it. They say everything that the Lord says we will do. They accept the covenant. And they accept God as their king. And a blood covenant is made. Moses makes a sacrifice and throws blood on the people. It's a blood covenant. Just like the new covenant is a blood covenant. Blood representing forgiveness. And then God gives Moses, after this, instructions on how to build the tabernacle, the place where God is going to now rule from, the place where God is going to speak to Israel from. And notice that God didn't build a White House, right? He didn't build a palace with a throne. He built a house of worship. Why is that? Because it's from this house of worship that God rules and reigns his people. From this place of worship. This place of his presence. That's why when Jesus returned and in the triumphal entry, where did he go? Did he go where Pilate was? Did he go to the governmental center? No. He went to the temple. Why? Because that's where he rules and reigns from. That's his, the place of his government, his kingdom being reigned. And so when we worship, what we're saying yes to is we're recognizing that God was faithful to keep his word to Israel. That God, you know, in Genesis 17, all the way through to now Exodus and going into Leviticus, God has kept his promise to Israel. Worship Life Radio with Holland Davis will continue right after this. Hi, this is Holland Davis, and I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in San Clemente. 
And I just want to take a moment and invite you to come and visit us at one of our Sunday morning services or to our midweek Bible study. Calvary Chapel San Clemente is a Jesus people community right here in the city of San Clemente, California. You know, we identify with our roots in the Jesus movement because that's where I came to Christ. And of course, that's where Calvary Chapel was born. When you come to our church, you're going to find a church that loves to worship the Lord with song. We love to study God's word verse by verse. And we love to share the love of God with other people. If that's the kind of church you're looking for, consider visiting us. You can find out all about us online at calvarysancomeni.org. We look forward to worshiping with you soon, and may God richly bless you. Now, let's continue with today's edition of Worship Life Radio. We're going to see even beyond that as we go through the scriptures, God keeps his promise to Israel. And the same God that keeps his promise to Israel is the same God that said he would keep his promise to you. And God's past faithfulness demands our trust, that we trust him today. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't say that he cannot fail. He will not fail. Because he does not fail. He doesn't have the option of failure. There is no failure in God. He accomplishes everything he says. And so when we worship the Lord, we're saying, yes, Lord, you are faithful to bring me into your house to worship you, to hear from you, for you to reveal yourself to me. And as New Testament believers, we take it a step further by recognizing God's faithfulness to make a new and living covenant through Jesus Christ with us, a new blood covenant through the cross where our sins are forgiven and we are made new creations in Christ, born again, born of the Spirit. It's a covenant of grace, of mercy, of forgiveness, of no condemnation. And so when you see all that God has done, when you see that he is present and he is faithful to accomplish all that he promises, it makes sense why the first act of worship that God instructs Moses to do is to tell the people to bring an offering, to bring a contribution, to bring a donation to the Lord when they come to worship. Because if I recognize that God's presence is here, and if I recognize his faithfulness, when I recognize his power at work in my life, then I don't come empty-handed. I don't come empty-hearted. I come ready to give to the Lord what he is worthy to receive out of a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving because the Lord is faithful to his word. I've been to a lot of worship conferences where they kind of say, you know, the first couple of songs are like the warm-up songs. you got to kind of get warmed up to the idea of the presence of God, you know, kind of like Jesus is here, but I don't really feel it. I'm not really into it, not really digging it. You know, give me a couple of songs to kind of warm up to the idea, and bam, all of a sudden you're there. Then he showed up. That's what they say. But see... When you understand that God is present before you even walk through the door. When you understand that God's faithfulness has got you through the door. It will change how you worship the Lord. 
You'll be so filled with thanksgiving for all that God has done. You won't be able to contain yourself because God is good. Now, let's look at the tabernacle. And we're going to go through the tabernacle uh, in the order of Exodus 25. The first instrument or furnishing is the Ark of the Testimony. You don't want to look inside because if you look inside, you'll melt like the you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So uh, you don't want to do that. You know, they, didn't, they didn't get that memo, so we don't want to do that. Uh, but this is the focal point of the tabernacle. It's referred to as the Ark of the Covenant. It's behind a curtain that's 30 by 30, representing God's holiness, his separateness, his otherliness, that God is unlike anything else in the world, that there's nothing that compares to him. That there, Here's the thing. Someone wrote me recently, and I, I need to write him back, but he was talking about, you know, all the religions of the world, and, you know, hey, does the Bible make room for other religions, and why, you know, why is, you know, Jesus the only way? Through the book of Exodus and through the book of Genesis, what you realize is that God isn't just the God, you know, the biggest God. God is the only God. There is no other God. All the demons, the demon of Allah is a demon. A demon is a fallen angel. An angel is a created being created by what? God. God is the creator of all things. So every religion that's out there worships a false God, a false narrative, a false reality. There's only one true God and only one truth, one reality, and it's his reality because he's God and he made it. He made reality. Everything else does not coexist with God. Buddha doesn't coexist. Muhammad doesn't matter. Not God. There's only one God. And so he is separate from everything else. He is unlike anything else. And when he calls us into relationship with him, he calls us out of this world into his glorious light, into relationship with the one God. And that elevates us. That makes us special people above all other people. We're declared holy. We're unlike any other because of our relationship with the one true God. Now, the Ark itself is made up of three parts. There's the Ark of the Covenant, which is this part, the box. That's the Ark. Then you have the lid. This is called the mercy seat. And then on top of it are the cherubim. So you have three parts to the Ark of the Covenant. The wooden box, actually, this is known as the Ark. And inside of it, God said in Exodus 25, 16, you will put in the Ark the testimony which I will give you speaking of the Ten Commandments. And so this is the testimony of God, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are the, what referred to, God said, the testimony. And these were in the Ark. Actually, the Ten Commandments was in the Ark all the way through the book of Chronicles. Uh, and so, you know, historically, the children of Israel was carrying the Ark with the Ten Commandments in it. But at some point... In Hebrews 9, it says that the ark contained a golden urn. This is uh, containing one omer of manna, uh, but also the Aaron's rod, which was budded. And so that was also in uh, the ark. And, and the thing is, is that we look at these and we think, what were these there for? Why, why are they called the, the testimony? Well, 
these three items are God's testimony against man. It's the testimony of man's rebellion against God. It's God's case against man. And why are there three? Because the Bible says in, the, in two or three witnesses, a matter is established. And so God puts the most, three. So it's, it's a done deal. Like you cannot argue this case. God has a, a rock-solid case against man. The gold pot of manna represents man's rejection of God's provision. If you remember the story of Exodus as the children of Israel are going through the desert, God gives them bread from heaven. I mean, they're, they're eating bread that comes out of heaven. But what do they do? They complain. We don't like this. We want something else. We wish we had the leeks, the onions the, you know, from Egypt. I mean, you're getting bread from heaven that tasted like Krispy Kreme donuts. And you're exchanging it for onions. I mean, that's crazy, right? But that's what they were doing. They were complaining. And so they rejected God's provision. Aaron's rod represents God, man's rejection of God's leadership. If you remember, the Levites uh, came on the scene and they wanted to offer. They saw Aaron offering sacrifices. And they're like, who, who says you're the only one that can make sacrifices? I want to offer sacrifices. And Aaron says, well, it wasn't me. Go talk to Moses. So they go to Moses and say, Moses, who made you the boss? Why should we listen to you? Why should we follow you? And Moses said, I don't know. Go talk to the guy upstairs. He's the one that called me to this. And they complained against Moses. And they complained against the Lord. And so we read in Numbers 16 that the Lord opened up the ground and had him for lunch. He said, okay, if you don't like it, we can take care of it. And the ground swallowed them up. The Ten Commandments represents man's rejection of God's law, of God's kingdom in their life, God's rule and reign. Now, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've either rejected God's leadership in our life or we've rejected God's provision in our life. We don't want that. We want something else. Or we've broken God's law. And so God has a case against man. Now, above the Ark of the Covenant, and this is all significant, is the mercy seat. That's what this is. In Micah 7.18, it says, Who is like God, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. God does not delight in judgment. God delights in mercy. God does not delight in the death of anyone. God wants everyone to live. And because God delights in mercy, what does he do? He covers, he covers, literally covers the symbols of man's rejection with mercy. 
I hope you enjoyed the program today. You know, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know, there's going to be a day when all of us are going to stand before Jesus, and only those who have surrendered their life to Him will spend eternity with Him. Don't you want to be part of those that spend eternity with Jesus in heaven? You can pray this simple prayer and mean it with all your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I confess that you have raised from the dead. Forgive me of all my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live for you all the days of my life. If you've prayed that prayer, then I can say with assurance that you will be saved on that day. Thanks for tuning in today to Worship Life Radio. We're so glad you were able to join us for a time of Bible study, and we pray it's been a blessing to you. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Holland, you can find them online at calvarysanclemente.org. There, you'll also learn about Calvary San Clemente, the church behind this ministry. We'd love for you to join us for worship this weekend, either in person or online. Find all the information you need on our website. Again, that's calvarysanclemente.org. As we wrap up today's message, we'd like to offer an opportunity for you to partner with us in spreading the good news of the gospel. Would you join us in praying for those listening with you to Pastor Holland's message? Pray for ears to be open and hearts to be turned toward the truth and love of Jesus, and pray for salvation to be found by many. Would you pray too about supporting the ministry of Worship Life Radio through financial giving? We use every amount given, no matter the size, for this program and expanding its reach. Thanks for praying about this. If you're ready to give or would like more information, visit calvarysanclemente.org. How can we be praying for you? It's our honor to encourage and pray for you, so please connect with us. You can email at info at calvarysanclemente.org or call us 949-228-9117. Again, that's 949-228-9117. That's all for today. Join us next time for more right here on Worship Life Radio. Have you ever wondered what it means to be saved? What are you saved from? Is salvation only about going to heaven? Pastor Holland's message series, So Great a Salvation, will answer these questions and help you discover the rich, abundant life salvation brings. Order your personal copy of So Great a Salvation at worshipliferadio.com.